We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the October 30th, 2017 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by MyBookie, the official sports book of Rotoviz Radio. I'm Anthony Amico. You can find me on Twitter at Amixta. And my co-host is Blair Andrews, who you can follow at Blair. Blair, how's it going? It's going well. You know, my uh, Russ Wilson and Jimmy Graham stack finally paid off at like the very end of that game. So that was nice to see. It's one of the Rare weeks where I think both my DFS lineups and my season-long teams are doing well, so I'm pretty psyched. Yeah, when you play the DFS and the season-long, it's like you have so many different player investments. It's like you, you're bound to lose somewhere. So when you, when you win it all, it feels really good to, to kind of sweep all over the place. Uh, joining us today on the show is Renee Miller. Renee is a neuroscientist who writes for Roto World and ESPN. You can find her on Twitter at ReneeMiller01. Renee, thanks for joining us tonight. How is everything? Oh, not quite as good uh, as Blair, but um, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> I'm glad to be with you guys. Yeah, we're definitely glad to have you. Uh, week nine, or sorry, week eight was just a, a complete mess, I feel like. Scores around the league were basically way down, unless you had you know players in this Seattle-Houston game. Yeah. Uh, but, but they were still a bunch of news, so we'll get right into that. First item this week. 
Uh, Fox's Jay Glazer reports that Andrew Luck is still in pain and is seeking further opinions to figure out why. This is in regards to the shoulder surgery that he had in the offseason. Uh, Renee, shoulders, uh, Luck's shoulder is starting to look like an issue, maybe not just for 2017, but potentially 2018 as well. Is it time maybe to start selling your Colts in Dynasty Leagues? Yeah, well, I think hitching your Colts fantasy stars to Andrew Luck, it's time to kind of ditch that idea, I think. But I think maybe a lot of people have been there already um, with Luck's ongoing injury saga, you know, dating back uh, to two years ago as well. Um, He had one really super spectacular, you know, full of promise season in 2014. Um, And I don't know that he ever gets back to that level. So I think if we're hitching the the star of uh, T.Y. Hilton or Dante Moncrief or um, Mac even to luck, I think it's probably a mistake. I think that um, all might not be lost, though. I think Jacoby Brissett could improve with time and with experience in this offense. Remember, he, he got there just before the season started, so he didn't have a lot of time to um, sort of acclimate before he was thrust into this role. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not high on the Colts. I don't actually own any of them in the one dynasty league I'm in, which is the Rotoviz dynasty league. Um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm thankful on a personal level. But, um, yeah, I'm not thinking that Andrew Luck and the Colts are ever going to get back to that 2014 level that, that some people might still be clinging to. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think Brissett probably is not as bad as maybe – a lot of people think he is. He pro- he's you know parts of this offense are functional. I mean Jack Doyle has been uh, you know pretty uh, he's been startable for the last several weeks. You know you can pretty much count on his production. I don't think today was that fluky. I mean he got 14 targets, but it's something we've seen from him a lot lately. And um, you know Marlon Mack is showing something. So there are not a lot of pieces in this offense that I'm des- I mean necessarily looking to sell at this point. Uh, I am an Andrew Luck owner in one dynasty league, and that is, you know, if if it looks this injury is going to affect him into 2018, then that's that's something that I really want to get away from. But my problem, of course, is how much can you actually get for him at this point? Yeah, I mean, Luck, if you own him, it's impossible, I feel like, to move him just because, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like for the most part, people aren't really going to consider that maybe future value that luck has. I think there's, there's just so much negative, so many negative thoughts associated with Andrew luck right now. It's like impossible to move him. I think even just like one positive report, like, Hey, like luck is practicing like luck will play or something, you know, like that alone would probably mm-hmm. increase his value like tenfold. Yeah. So I, he, he's really a strong hold at this point. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely pleased with what Brissett has done. I still think that if, you know, the reports on Luck are just really that bad. It's possible they just move on. I mean, right? Like, that's, I don't know how his contract works from like an injury perspective, but I don't know. The Colts are going to probably pick in the top five this year, right? So they could pretty much move on as soon as possible. If this is an injury that they don't think he can get over. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you think they're happy with the way Brissett has played? Would they look, would they be looking to improve? on him or what are you thinking exactly 
I mean, I just think that the league in general, like two things that we know to be true, right? Like the league is almost never satisfied with the mobile QBs, the guys, Mm -hmm. you know, like Tyrod Taylor, I feel like he's been getting, they've been trying to push him out of Buffalo for like three years and he's been really good. You know, like he's still been really good. So I don't know, like Brissett is probably at best Tyrod Taylor, right? So that means that I don't think a team would probably ever be happy with him. So I, I don't know, like I, I think that even even when Brissett is playing well, the team is probably still looking to move on. So it really just comes down to what the deal is with Buck. Yeah. All right, next news item. Deion Lewis led all New England running backs today with 17 touches. Uh, Mike Gillisley had 11. James White had six, and he caught five balls. And Rex Burkhead had seven catches on 11 targets, or 11 touches, rather. Uh, Deion Lewis appears to be the lead guy right now, but the work is still being spread out. Uh, so are you buying or selling, Lewis? I mean, there's no more frustrating question to ask somebody than about the New England backfield, right? Um, <laughs> it's generally something that, you know, if it if it happens to have to come across your plate in the course of your fantasy analysis for the week, you cringe. Um, I do anyways. I'm like, oh, do I really have to write about the New England um, backfield? Because they they have four guys that they're willing to get the ball to and any given week. I mean, I think this week, nobody was really spectacular. I might say even Burkhead was, um, you know, his seven catches for 68 yards, yards um, might've done more for you. And at least in a PPR league than uh, what Lewis did with his 15 carries and two catches. Um, it's just uh, the end. all be all of frustrating situations because uh, I think Bill Belichick wants to keep everybody guessing about who it's going to be and what's the scheme going to be and how can they best take advantage of whatever opponent they happen to be playing. So I have a hard time buying any of these guys. Um, coming off today, I would say if, if forced, Rex Burkhead would be the one I wanted to own. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, Burkhead getting all those catches, I think, really caught me by surprise the most. Yeah. I know that Amendola was like dinged up going into the game, so... And then Hogan ended up getting hurt. So I don't know if any of that maybe had something to do with that. But I feel like Burkhead was the guy we all loved in the offseason. Yeah. And maybe now he's finally starting to get that shot. So I, I think I agree with you on that. Burkhead seems to give them the best opportunity to kind of uh, disguise what they're going to do, right? Because he's a capable runner and he's also a good pass catcher. When you have James White in or Gillisley it it almost telegraphs the play, I think, which, um, right. you know, it's a little maybe surprising to see Belichick going with Gillisley, for instance, a coach we kind of have a lot of respect for, seems to make a, a move that we might think is non-optimal, but I don't know. Um, yeah, Burkhead's definitely interesting. I I think I agree. I probably like him better than anyone else in this backfield at, at the moment, but, you know, could change next week. Yeah, right. <laughs> and probably will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Like, that's the key. Like, you probably will. We'll have the same exact, like, show note next week, and it'll be about, like, someone we don't even know yet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, before we move on, I just want to take a moment to talk about my bookie. I absolutely love sports betting, and there is no site that I trust more than mybookie.ag. My bookie has in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Listen to mobile capabilities on most sports books online are terrible. I can't tell you how many wagers I've missed out on due to slow site loading speeds and an impossible to figure out site layout. My bookie's all new mobile site allows me to easily make wagers while out with friends and from the comfort of my own couch while watching the games. If you join now, my bookie will match your deposit up to a 50% bonus. 
Just use the promo code ROTOREPORT to activate this special offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid, mybookie.ag. Now let's get into no shit, shit, no. First item this week, Muhammad Sanu caught six of seven targets for 74 yards and a touchdown in the Falcons' week eight win. Um, I'll, I'll say no shit on this one. Um, for whatever reason, Ryan is, is looking Sanu's way whenever he's healthy this season. Um, I mean, Julio Jones matched him in, in yardage today on half as many catches and is still struggling to get noticed in the end zone or he's too well covered in the end zone or whatever the excuses might be. But Sanu seems to be that outlet for Ryan this season that isn't going anywhere. Michael Thomas caught seven of eight targets for 77 yards in week eight against Chicago. Um, this isn't this isn't a great line for him, um, in my opinion. And I'm going to also say no shit because he hasn't been the same player he was last year. Um, I think I think it's been a, a detriment to him to lose Brandon Cooks, where a lot of us thought it might be an asset to be the main guy, the wide receiver one. I think he functioned really well in that, in that role where he was um, not the primary object of the defense's attention. Jordan Howard carried the ball 23 times for 102 yards in week eight against the Saints. Uh, this also, this seems pretty standard to me. I know I'm, I'm falling a hundred percent in the no shit category so far. Um, but this seems like what the Bears want to do. Um, I think it's a reasonable expectation that he could get 20 carries a week and turn them into nearly or over 100 yards. I'd like to see him get in the end zone. Rob Gronkowski caught five of nine targets for 57 yards and a touchdown in Sunday's Week 9 win over the Chargers. I guess if you're using Gronk, you're not terribly disappointed with this line, but I'll, again, I'll end up on the no shit side and be like, this is reasonable. There's going to be games where he has 157 yards receiving, but um, this is well within his range of outcomes and you're happy that he got the touchdown. Andre Holmes caught three of four targets for 51 yards and a touchdown in the Bills week eight win over the Raiders. Yeah. When he caught that touchdown, you might know I live in Western New York where all Bills fans up here. I mean, I'm not a super Bills fan like my family is, but um, uh, yeah, the cry out was, oh my gosh, we forgot it was a revenge game for Andre Holmes. Um, I think this is more along the lines of shit. No, this is not something you can expect every week. I know he leads Bill's receivers in touchdowns for the season, but that's a pretty, um, dubious distinction. Jameis Winston completed 21 of 38 passes for 210 yards, zero touchdowns and two interceptions in the Bucks 17 to three week eight loss to the Panthers. I'm going to say shit no on this one, too, because I think Winston is generally better than this. Um, the Panthers' defense has been kind of up and down this season, but I think they they can generally be given um, – this could generally be given over to uh, just a tough matchup for him. I think he's going to end up being better than this, although – it seems like we've been saying that a lot about Mike Evans and Jameis Winston. I'm going to stick with shit no. 
Sean McCoy rushed the ball 27 times for 151 yards and a touchdown. He also caught six of seven targets for 22 yards in the Bills' Week 8 win over the Raiders. Um, I'm going to say shit no here too because this line is just a little bit, a little bit high. But this is what the Bills need to do. This is how much, how many times LaShawn McCoy needs to touch the ball for them to be successful. And I think every time he does, every time they give him this kind of workload, um, good things happen. So it could be a trend in the right direction. It also, I mean, it's a risky to to hand a guy his age this much workload week in and week out. So I, I don't think this is sustainable. Devin Funches caught two of six targets for 11 yards in the Panthers' week eight win over the Bucks. Shit, no, again. Uh, he's going to be better than this. He's going he's gonna to be... I mean, sort of in the model of, of Ted Ginn when he was a, a Panther. He's going to have his good weeks and his bad weeks. Um, this is a down week. You know, next week he could have two touchdowns. Austin Hooper caught four of six targets for 47 yards and a touchdown in the Falcons' Week 8 win over the Jets. This is a no shit. I think his um, his star has been rising. Um, and I think six targets is a reasonable expectation. He's shown some decent efficiency. Um, and he's been successful in the end zone in the red zone so um this is one i believe in garrett blunt rushed 16 times for 48 yards and one touchdown in the eagles week eight win over the 49ers i guess um i guess i'll go with shit no on this one i think there are gonna be i mean i liked blunt this week so i'm i'm pleased with this line um especially for his price in dfs but um this was largely game script and matchup dependent he won't always, um, he won't always have that kind of volume or that kind of success that he has with against the 49ers. Robbie Anderson caught all six of his targets for 104 yards and a touchdown in the Jets' Week 8 loss to the Falcons. Yeah, he was fantastic today. Um, this is going to be a, a shit no for me. That kind of efficiency and um, and overall production probably isn't sustainable. It's what people thought he might be able to achieve at the beginning of the season. Um, but today is an outlier, I think, for Robbie Anderson. Jack Doyle contributed 12 catches for 121 yards and a touchdown on 14 targets Sunday in the Colts' Week 8 loss to the Bengals. We already mentioned Jack Doyle a little bit um, and his sort of believability in this offense and continuing rapport with Jacoby Brissett. So um, while this may be on the high end of his spectrum, I think, um, no shit, this is within his range. Joe Mixon totaled 18 yards on 11 carries, though he did add three catches <laughs> for 91 yards on three targets Sunday in the Colts' week eight loss to the Bengals. Uh, I guess, <laughs> I mean, what do you make of this line? Um, the rushing is terrible. The 91 receiving yards is phenomenal. What is going on? I mean, this is such a talented athlete. Um, I, I'm shocked he didn't do better um, on the ground. I, I don't know. This was kind of the week that I was like, okay, if he doesn't get it done this week, I'm out. And then it, he kind of got it done. I mean, the bottom line looks really good, but I don't think, you know, three catches aren't going to go for 91 yards most weeks. They're going to go for 15 or 20 yards. So, um, ah. I don't know. So I guess I don't know what I'm at, what, what you're asking. Am I, are we saying shit? No, 
this is a good line or this is a bad line? I guess it's both, right? I mean, like, I don't know. I think that I think that this is a bad stat line for Joe Mixon, but I also think that he probably outperformed his his workload somehow. Do you know what I mean? Like, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, I just don't think I just don't think he's that good. So I don't know. I probably buy. I guess I buy this because I think he stinks. Okay, you think he's bad. <laughs> I think, I think the workload stinks. So I'll buy that. That um, I think he could do a lot more if he was routinely getting more work. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I guess my bottom line after this game is that I believe less in Joe Mixon now than I did before going in today. Yeah, 110 yards on 14, 14 touches seems unsustainable, right? A.J. Green nabbed three of eight targets for 27 yards and a touchdown Sunday in the Bengals' Week 8 win over the Colts. But it was a weird week for receivers, wasn't it? I mean, everyone was high on A.J. Green in this game. Um, this is... This is sort of out of line for him, I'm going to say. Shit, no, he's going to be better than this most weeks. But it's concerning that he wasn't better than this against the Colts of all people. Melvin Gordon rushed 14 times for 132 yards and a touchdown. He also caught one pass for seven yards in week eight against the Patriots. (laughs) I guess the Patriots bought into the same injured toe less than 100% reports that I did this week um, on that on that huge run he had to open the game because um, he didn't look hurt at all. <laughs> but most of that yardage came on, on that one big touchdown run. Uh, he's been super involved in this offense all season. The one reception is actually really low. Um, I think he's going to continue to be a strong producer. So shit, no. Or no shit. Sorry. DeAndre Hopkins hauled in 8 of 11 targets for 224 yards and a touchdown in the Texans' Week 8 loss to the Seahawks. Yeah, and uh, Will Fuller had two more touchdowns. This team is unbelievable. Uh, This is a, as much as I love, I love DeAndre Hopkins as much as everyone, and this is not something he's going to do very often. 124, I I think, could be commonly in his range. 224, uh, not so much. So this was an exceptional game for him. I'm happy for him, for Deshaun Watson, but this is a shit no. Ezekiel Elliott carried the ball 33 times for 150 yards and two more touchdowns in the Cowboys' week eight win over the Redskins. Yeah, no shit. This is a this is what what he is. This is what he was last year. This is heavy workload and um, quality production. Um, maybe. You know, maybe it's not two touchdowns every week, but that's certainly not not a surprising line for him. Tyler Lockett hauled in six of eight targets for 121 yards in the Seahawks' Week Eight win over the Texans. <clears throat> this was this was pretty nice to see. Um, I was kicking myself not using him in, in DFS. I had originally had him slotted in, and I swapped out the last minute, um, stupidly. Uh, I don't know that it's going to be this good every week. Um, there's several pass catchers, but in Lockett's favor, and while sort of error on the side of no shit with Tyler Lockett, is that the Seahawks are a team that get better and better as the season goes on. So um, we certainly saw, you know, probably maybe a, a peak, but I think that this is a team that's going to continue to be good down the stretch. So I think there are more good games in store for all the Seahawks receivers. 
Paul Richardson hauled in six of seven targets for 105 yards and two touchdowns in the Seahawks' Week 8 win over the Texans. Yeah, again. So I think that Paul Richardson will have his good games. This one I'm going to err on the side of shit no because um, 100 yards and two touchdowns for the fourth receiving option on the team is is not something we're going to see very often. But he's a talented guy. I like him. Um, I think he's got good hands and um, has certainly demonstrated – rapport with Russell Wilson that he can be trusted in the clutch and, and whatnot uh, over the last season and a half. Fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try my new favorite app, Draft. Here's how it works. You do a draft, it lasts for just one week, and there's no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Draft start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part, you can play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. No salary caps. Play in a real live snake draft, just like you would play with your friends in a season-long league. Come and join me on Draft today. Download the app at any time. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on PlayDraft.com, whichever you want. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit but you have to use the promo code RVRADIO. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using the promo code RVRADIO on your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to PlayDraft.com and come play free with promo code RVRADIO. Now let's get into a couple more regular news items to wrap the show up. Uh, item number three, Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio reports the Colts are willing to move T.Y. Hilton ahead of Tuesday's 4 p.m. Eastern trade deadline. Uh, Renee, where do you think Hilton could end up, or where would you like to see him? And what do you make of his fantasy value going forward? Um, uh, I don't know exactly where, you know, what makes sense, like, financially and as far as picks and other pieces of a deal. Um, the Colts could certainly use some, some help on defense, so they might look to um, – look in that direction where I might like to see him is actually um, a team like the saints. Like, like I mentioned earlier when we talked about Michael Thomas, I think, I think they need another wide receiver one. Um, and I think Hilton needs a quarterback that can throw a long ways accurately or even a short ways accurately. So, um, you know, the bills also come to mind, but I think he would be squandered by the bills. They don't have a, a game scheme and they don't want to put Tyrod Taylor in situations where he's throwing frequently, you know, 10 or 12 times to a receiver like Hilton. Um, so I like him. I, I, I'd love to see him on the saints I'm trying to think of other, maybe the Titans. I know the Titans are sort of like rich with receiving talent right now, but it hasn't been quite as talented as people thought maybe. So um, I don't know. He needs a strong armed quarterback. Um, who can stay in the pocket and, you know, throw downfield accurately multiple times per game. Somebody that's going to be high volume. Yeah, I love those calls. I actually had the Saints written down as my, uh, as the, on the top of my little short list here. So I love that. Um, the Bills, too, I also had written down. Uh, the only other things I can really think of that might be interesting would maybe be the Jets. I mean, they could use some wide receiver help. They've shown the, um, you know, they are shown the willingness to throw the ball. Uh, McCown's actually looked pretty good so far this year, so that that could be an interesting fit. I mean, 
other teams that need receiver help, maybe the Ravens, although that seems to be where where wide receivers go to die. So I don't know that that would really be a good spot. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, a lot of interesting situations, I think. Yeah, I mean, the Saints definitely are the most appealing, right? And he goes dome to dome and obviously gets the quarterback upgrade. It would be interesting to see what the price tag on Hilton would be. I mean, we just saw Cooks go for a late first-round pick. I think that Hilton probably commands a second or third-round pick, maybe a little bit less. I mean, Hilton is under a pretty team-friendly contract, I think, going forward, $11 million. Next year, $13 million in 2019. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think that that's fairly reasonable for a guy who has just consistently been towards the top of the league in receiving yards, towards the top of the league in efficiency. I, I think that him being a good player is pretty understood. So, I mean, Cooks is a guy that, you know, Patriots probably are going to have to pay at some point. And for Hilton, uh, you probably don't have to worry about that for a few years or, or really ever consider that he's going to be going to his age 28 season next year. So, that, that could actually be really interesting, right? Because if the Saints traded, let's say, like a second or third round pick for Hilton, you know, then they basically traded Cooks for, uh, you know, they basically moved down, right? Or move, yeah. you know, move down in the draft and they take a Hilton. Like that's kind of a really interesting move for them. So, and, and they're five and two now. They're rolling. So maybe they think that that's the piece that they need to really push their offense to the next level. I feel like their pass game hasn't really been excellent this year. They've really been dominating on the ground with Ingram and Kamara. And, you know, certainly I think that we all think that Drew Brees still has juice left in the tank. So I think that that's probably the leader in the clubhouse right now, right? I mean, unless Detroit or some other team thinks that Hilton's going to push them over the top. But I just don't think that many teams will think that because usually the wide receivers take some time to get acclimated and all that stuff. Um, if you own Hilton in, in Dynasty, I guess, are you maybe looking to move him now or – hoping that he could end up in a better situation and just trying to hang on. Uh, what's the, how do you play this? I think I hope for the best. Um, I'm not sure what I could get for him. Um, you're certainly not going to get a top tier running back. Could you maybe, I, I don't even think you could get like a top tight end hmm. for him right now. Like Zach Ertz. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd give up Zach Ertz for him. So I don't know. I don't think I would try to trade him. Um, if if you own him and you're really over him, yeah, I would try to see if you can, you know, trade him when if he gets traded to a promising situation, that would be the time to move him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Hilton coming into the year was a guy. If we assume that Luck was healthy, he's probably a pretty clear WR one, yep. at least in, in my mind, right? So like. He could definitely get back to that. I think that if you even gave him competent quarterback play from a passing perspective, like I think Brissett has been good, but clearly he has preferred the checkdowns and the mo- and you know running a little bit to throwing those, those deep balls. I think that if he did get with a breeze, or even if he ended up with like a Matt Stafford or a Ben Roethlisberger, you know, like someone in the middle of the pack, even would probably represent an upgrade for him. So I, I think I'm holding Hilton. I own him actually in a bunch of leagues, and I'm not really looking to sell. All right, final news item. Deshaun Watson completed 19 of 30 passes for 402 yards, four touchdowns, and three interceptions while rushing eight times for 67 yards in the Texans' Week 8 loss to the Seahawks. 
Uh, Watson has seemingly destroyed every obstacle in his way, including this monster game in Seattle. So where do you rank him for the rest of the season and in Dynasty? I mean, is QB1 the wrong answer? (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's actually like one of the very, 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 very few bright spots in my Rotoviz Dynasty League roster. Um, I'm thrilled to have him. Unfortunately, he can't outscore all my opponents every week, but... Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think he's top five. I, I think he's the, I'm trying to think who I would actually put ahead of him. The combination rushing and passing volume touchdowns. I mean, this team is working so well together. I don't think I can put Brady ahead of him. Even Brady's had, you know, a lot of somewhat down games by his standards. Wilson, maybe. Is because I, I do believe in second half Russell Wilson, so I want to keep him in my top top five. Like you said, Breeze just hasn't been the super Breeze. He's been fine, but I don't know. He's up there for me, um, and I'm thrilled to own him in Dynasty. Yeah, I, I think that I think that QB one is reasonable. Like <laughs> I, I, he's just been so good, and I, like every week I'm waiting for the efficiency to tail off, and I'm sure that like. Long term, it will, right? Like Matt Ryan last year was crazy efficient. This year, he's he's kind of regressed. Like I, that's that's probably going to happen. But he just is able to beat you in so many ways. Like he's just such a big part of what they do on offense because he runs the ball a ton on top of of throwing the football. And it's clear that Bill O'Brien is really comfortable with letting him do a lot of things. Like I, I, I can't think of a quarterback I'd rather have. I mean, maybe the guy that he just lost to, Russell Wilson, you'd rather have in like a dynasty setting just because his situation really can only kind of get better from a, you know, a weaponry standpoint and an offensive line standpoint. But I think, I think calling Deshaun Watson a, a top five quarterback in all formats going forward is, is probably the least that we can do, right? Like he's just, he's been so good. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to say that he can only get better, but it, it's true, right? Like, <laughs> like he really, yeah. even if his numbers, even if his numbers fall off eventually, like, He's going to learn. He's going to know the game better as, as time moves on. And I just, if you drafted this guy, you, you have to be feeling really good. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. And, I mean, you know, his schedule coming up is pretty amazing, too. He gets Indianapolis next week, and then he's at the Rams, who have been beatable through the air, and then Arizona at home. So um, a lot of nice matchups coming up. Um, the one guy that maybe, I don't even know if I would consider this, he didn't play that well today, but maybe Dak Prescott is someone I would have in that conversation. Uh, what do you guys think of that? Yeah, Prescott was a little disappointing. He's, he's a big reason why my DFS week wasn't as good as, um, I would have hoped, but, um, yeah, I think he certainly has a lot of potential the same in the same way. He's, um, he's a good decision maker and, um, he's allowed to make those decisions, whether he's going to run or pass or, you know, he's allowed to change the play and he does it well. Like some quarterbacks are allowed to do it and they do it poorly. Mm -hmm. They make bad decisions, especially young ones. But um, yeah, I I have no problem putting Prescott in a similar tier with with the guys we've mentioned. Yeah. I think if you look at the scoring, I well, So first of all, I think the primary difference between a guy like Dak and a guy like Watson is that Dallas is generally trying to run the football and play this like ground and pound style of offense where I think Houston, I think started the year trying to do that. And now the last couple of games, they really realized that that like to just give Watson the ball and, and, and let it happen. Like, and that's been really effective for them. So Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. I think like if you look at some of the scoring leaders, like the guys who have scored more points uh, than Watson, at least heading into today, uh, were Alex Smith, Carson Wentz, Tom Brady, uh, and Dak was about two points ahead of him mm-hmm. in ESPN scoring. So I mean, I don't I don't think I'd I'd prefer any of those guys to Watson. I mean, I I, I find it really difficult to trust Alex Smith. I think that Carson Wentz is is nice, but I mean, when you consider what Watson does on the ground, especially in the red zone, like that pushes him ahead. You already talked about Brady and Dak. Like I just, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I think QB one might just be the answer, especially with Rodgers having a broken collarbone right now. I was about to say I probably know Anthony's answer, but what about uh, Watson versus a healthy Aaron Rodgers? I mean, I'll I'll, I'll take Watson obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's impressive. I mean, in Dynasty, obviously. Um, it's a good problem to have. I don't know. You guys, I have both of those guys in the road of his dynasty league. So mm. I was uh, consistently starting Rodgers over Watson before he got hurt. Yeah. And when Rodgers gets healthy, then what will you do? <laughs> uh, I think it will be hard to go back. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Any any guys we can put ahead of Rodgers is good with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it for this edition of the Fantasy. What's that? It's high praise. Getting oh, absolutely. Rogers. Absolutely. That's going to do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Renee Miller. Be sure to follow her on Twitter, at ReneeMiller01. And get that 30% discount for subscribing to Rotoviz through the Rotoviz radio channel, rotoviz.com slash podcast. It also helps us if you rate and review the show. You can find us, along with the rest of the Rotoviz shows, under the Rotoviz radio feed. We also have our individual feed now for just this show. Search Fantasy Football Report on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Subscribe and leave us a rating or review. For Blair Andrews, I'm Anthony Amico. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Report, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Be sure to contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. They call you the Grill Master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.